Greetings, nerds. This is Will Polk, producer of the Cedar Nerd Podcast with your host, Sarah Belmont. Thank you for joining us. We will start our journey of covering season three of Star Trek Picard. Yes, that's right. We are back to finish out our journey with the crew of the Starship Enterprise D and E and their new adventures here on this uh, with this new season of Star Trek. So uh, a couple of quick things about the series so far. Episode one was called The Next Generation. And I have to say that uh, I was coming into the season cautiously optimistic because the showrunner, Terry Metalis, is a huge Star Trek fan. He definitely shared some of his inspirations as far as what he was hoping to do with this third season of the show and really was hoping after very strong starts to both seasons one and two, we would also get a strong start to season three, but also have a strong finish. So of course we're only one episode in, but I have to say the episode and this season's off to a strong start. So hopefully it doesn't fall into the trap that the first two seasons did where it started out very strong, had very mid middles and mostly inspired endings. But overall, I would have to say that so far with the, with the new track on Star Trek uh, and on Paramount plus uh, Picard has not been my uh, most favorite uh, of the new of the new series, whether it's animation or live action, but Terry Metalis, I think, really recognizes that because when we first start this episode, boom, we get this, this amazing title card. So the title card, as you see, is in the 25th century. So this season is, and this series is set in the 25th century. But the key critical thing here about this title card is it's inspired by Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan which was in the 23rd century with our original series crew of Kirk, Spock, and everyone that we've all known and loved over, over the course of the franchise. And the reason why this title card is so critical and hopefully is a harbinger of good things to come is it is universally noted that Star Trek II really gave a, a rebirth to the Star Trek franchise. Star Trek The Motion Picture while it has over time has grown on many in the fandom, when it was first released, it was it was not given the most glowing reviews, and it was very uh, not well received. And the studio definitely felt that they had to do something to really reset the franchise. And Nick Meyer came in, and with this title card, I think we're seeing the same thing here with Terry Metalis as showrunner that Dick Meyer did with the uh, original series with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and that we are definitely getting a, a, a reboot uh, of sorts with the start of this new season. So with that being said, let's jump right on into the episode and just uh, hit some of the some of the high points of it. So whenever we first start, we, uh, we get to, we go to a deep space, there's a starship, we go on it, and it's being raided, and and who do we see but our good Dr. Beverly Crusher. We haven't seen Beverly uh, since in live action since uh, Star Trek Nemesis. 
She has shown up in some of the other properties uh, in, in recent years, but uh, but beyond that, we haven't seen her in live action. So it was it was very welcome sight. Great McFadden looks great. And one of the other things that uh, this uh, that uh, I've noted with uh, looking forward to with this season and some of the commentary that's been around it has been hopefully our supporting characters get some much needed character development because uh, while in the seven seasons of the next generation, each supporting character got their own episode, many cases, the movies really focused on uh, the, the, the dynamics between Picard and data a little bit to Worf, a little bit to Riker, but um it was great seeing Beverly start out this way and her ship's being raided. So we get some, we get to see some badass Beverly Crusher. Uh, we, we got a little hits of that in, in some of the episodes in the uh, next generation, in particular, when you think about Channing command part two, whenever she was having to uh, go with Picard when they were uh, raiding the uh, Cardassian uh, planet, uh, we haven't seen much of that, so it was really cool. So, of course, Beverly was able to uh, repel the invaders off of her ship, and but she was also wounded in the process. And so, uh, so she, we, uh, in in the heat of all the moment, she encodes a message to Picard, which uh, we he receives at Chateau Picard on Earth. Uh, you know, of course. One of the other things about the series that is that I've noted so far is the Easter eggs, and there are many of them littered all throughout Beverly's ship, from Jack Crusher's Footlocker to other other notes. But then when we get to Chateau Picard, we start hearing the, the classic chime and chirp of the the next generation communicator, and, and of course uh, Picard finds it, finds the note from the message from Beverly, and that the critical thing is to trust no one. And Starfleet, which you know, as we get further into the episode, we get some hints for why she she was thinking that. Uh, so Picard has a very heart to heart with Laris. Um, you know, again, a lot of nostalgia. You know, we get to see a picture uh, of the Enterprise D. We learned that you know he wanted to give that to, to Jordy, and so there's just a lot of just just good feelings, good vibes that we that we see. Laris is a character uh, that that. Uh, works with Picard and they fall in love. Um, and, uh, you know, so they have a good heart to heart discussion and she's like, look, I'll be here. You just go figure out what's going on. Yeah. It was a nice little tease there about the fact that Picard and, 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 and Crusher had, they tried to have a relationship, which, uh, many fans, uh, are, are rec recognize that. So, but, you know, but, but again, for, for non fans, it, it, it gives those little lines of dialogue give some context to why Beverly is it is a key person in Picard's life, even though we also learned that she's been estranged from him for, for 20 years. And we, we further get more of that when Picard reaches out to Riker and they, they meet at, at Ghanan's bar, 10 forward, which we were introduced to in season two of the series. Uh, a lot of funny beats there. There was some great moments with Riker with the bartender whenever they were talking about the Enterprise D, and he was like, you know, Sagan is hawking souvenirs now, and and you know, and she's like, why are there so many Enterprise Ds? And 
And you mean the fat one? And and it was just a very funny moment there where, uh, you know, he just tosses out there. It's not the fat one. It's the galaxy class. So, you know, again, little nice little moment there for for fans uh, to, of the next generation. Uh, and, and, and so we, we get that. But some of the critical things that happen in this scene is we learn that Riker and, and Troy are estranged right now. And, you know, Will makes the point that he is going to be, um, it was good for him to get a, away because Kendra and, and Deanna were probably happy to see him go. And, and we learned some of this may come from the fact that Will and Deanna did have two children whenever he was captain of the, of the Titan. But uh, uh, but we learned also that one of their um, kids uh, sadly passed away. So maybe there's some lingering uh, impacts from from that death that has maybe driven a wedge between the two of them. But I'm sure there's something that will be that'll be explored further this season. Another thing that was very critical in this scene was they do discuss Beverly's coded message. And one of the things that was brought up was a, a code word. Helberg. And Picard did not know what that meant, but Riker shares with him that when Picard was abducted by the Borg, they had to come up with ways to, as a countermeasure, to keep him from taking over the Enterprise. So, again, this is a great moment for both fans of the series, but also for, for new people who may not be as steeped in the Star Trek lore to understand that Picard was abducted by the Borg in the, the best of both worlds. And again, uh, you know, shows how the, the tactical genius that Riker was in during that moment uh, that they had to not only repel the Borg invasion, but also uh, deal with the consequences of Locutus at Wolf 359 and then also getting Picard back and taking him out of the Borg collective. Uh, given that he was assimilated. So those are some just really critical and really key things. And then just a banter between Riker and Picard, seeing them together again, you know, two old friends. You you know how it is whenever you see a friend you haven't seen in a while, you just fall back into the old routine. And that's what happened with these two characters. And, you know, you have to hand it to Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. They did an amazing job. Uh, really, you know, showing the, the 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 affection and the the deep bond between these two men that has you know gone on for for many many years. So that was uh, a welcome moment for me. So then, of course, it's Star Trek. So we got to figure out a way to like bend the rules and and, and get Starfleet to help, even though we we get the uh, note from Beverly that uh, don't trust anyone. Uh, they they do have to figure out a way to get back, um, it, it, to, you know, get a ship and get into Star to to help Beverly. Once they figured out where she was, uh, utilized after Riker deciphered the coded message. So what do we do? We end up going to Starfleet in a very circuitous way, and we get to the Titan. So. Before I get into the um, what happened whenever Picard and, and Riker end up uh, on the Titan, I have to just say, this ship is, is beautiful. 
it, it's a classic melding of so so many uh, elements of Star Trek, and really gets into uh, why this episode is such a, a cross generational episode. You see the elements of of the Constitution Two class, the, the refit in, in the saucer section. Uh, fans will recognize that from the refit from Star Trek the Motion Picture of the original Enterprise, and then. Uh, and then the Enterprise A that was uh, unveiled at the end of Star Trek IV. We see elements of the Excelsior and the saucer section, and and um, and and the, and the nacelles uh, also reference the, the next generation of Enterprise D and Enterprise E. So they the Riker as they do the shuttle pod tour of the ship, which again is a, is a callback to Star Trek, the motion picture, and also Star Trek II, when, Picard, when Admiral Kirk does the inspection of the original Enterprise, uh, they use that same inspection tour uh, as, a, as a ruse to get them on board the Titan. And we learned that because of the refit, now it's a, a, a Neo-Constitution class, and also is given the designation of 8080102A, which is a uh, only distinguished ships in Starfleet get those those suffixes to their registry numbers. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sight. We get to we get on board the Titan. We get to see uh, seven of nine, but then a very interesting thing happens when when Picard and Riker are introduced. When Riker is introduced to seven. Uh, she corrects Picard and says, actually, I am Commander Annika Hansen, which is her dead name. And, you know, that's just a very uh, interesting point that I noted uh, during the episode because uh, it definitely gives us a little bit of glimpse about Captain, the captain of the Titan, who we'll meet uh, shortly, about who he is and what his personality is like. And again, really calls back to some of the concerns that Beverly had with Picard going to Starfleet to begin with. But that dead naming, it, you know, again, was really something that Star Trek does well as far as bringing contemporary issues. And, you know, when you think about people now who transition and, um, and you know, have their new name, but then other people dead name them, you know, that's, um, you know, it's not, it, it, it's a lack of, of, of respect uh, for, for individuals and, and their, and their personalities and who they are. And so that's very telling about Captain, the Captain of the Titan, Captain Shaw, who we, uh, who we meet later, uh, is support, sort of a foreshadowing of, of what's to come whenever our, our heroes meet him. But we then go to, to the bridge, they're on the space dock. We get a lovely, another lovely callback moment to Star Trek II, where the uh, the music is playing that's playing in the background is reminiscent of when Admiral Kirk and Bones meet up with Spock and Savick on the bridge, and they, you know, they, you know, Atalus definitely like has a nice little uh, callback and, and and references to that moment, uh, so that you know, again, fans of the original series uh, has been long time Star Trek watchers will, will recognize those moments but but new fans probably may find that inspired and and, and something that was a, was a was a funny 
good moment of uh, of levity in, in the episode. So that was a, a nice moment for me uh, as a fan. I was I was pointing at this. I was pulling the Leonardo DiCaprio, pointing at the screen like, "Hey, hey, there's another reference. There's another reference." But uh, really, really, really enjoyed that. So we then uh, they do leave space stock again. Callbacks to other episodes and other movies. You know, thinking about Star Trek Three when the inter when, it, when Kirk and Spock stole the Enterprise to go after Spock at the Genesis planet. Got those same kind of vibes. Space Dock and, and Star Trek Six. I mean, again, all so many so many like things referencing back to the original series, but also even to new things in the new series as well. So uh, we, we get that. And then we uh, we leave the bridge, and then we go finally meet Captain Shaw. And let's just let's just all put it out there. I think we could collectively agree this guy is is a major dick, and there's just there's just no 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 getting around it. Uh, one other note about before I, I move on um, with uh, we, Shaw, uh, when we were on the bridge, we also got to see some. Um, we got to meet Sylvia LaForge, Jordy's daughter. And so again, using nostalgia, using things, you know, about our characters and, and, and development for our characters already in this episode so that the supporting cast, it can be developed. And, and, and I, one of the strong things I'm liking about this series so far is they're just not dropping the gang back together and just, just to say, Hey, you know, we got, we got Jordy here. We got, you know, War's going to show up and da, 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 da. No, they're using the nostalgia to further the story, which is very, very critical thing. It's not just fan service, but it actually is carrying the story forward. So moving on to Shaw, that we get some of that. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he, he he's, Sitting in his ready in his in the captain's mess, uh, you know, having having dinner starts early again. The rudeness, you know, but then he um, is very rude to Picard and Riker, uh, you know, but in, in a very like you know, condescending but in, in backhanded way where he's like, "I love you guys," but but then he also like says we don't do things like you guys used to do and, and, and all those kind and all those types of uh, notes. And the other thing about him uh, that uh, I thought was very, very uh, concerning as far as, you know, the, the whole point of this, him is, is to be a foil. I mean, he, he is there for that dramatic device to, to, to be that, that foil against Picard and, and Riker. And he deciphers the, the ruse that, uh, that where they're trying to to use the Titan to get to the sh to help uh, Beverly whenever they he you know where they say they want to go to the the right Rikon sector, but the other thing about uh, about Shaw is you know he, he he's very he's very prideful as far as like his unblemished record and how he you know the, the digs he was having at Riker about this the Titan's mine now and those kind of things so. That uh, was very, very, you know, again, he's, he's a big jerk, but of course, you know, he will probably come around because the Titan is going to be probably a very integral part of this, this season. So we move on from, from the Titan and we, uh, we, we, we have, so season three, 
one and two of Picard uh, introduced us to, to many, many new characters to the franchise. Uh, and one of them that managed to uh, remain with us uh, to, to this third season has been Rafi. And we uh, first see Rafi on uh, Metalis Prime, which I love the little little reference there to, to Metalis Prime. Metalis, you know, being a reference to the showrunner Terry Metalis. But we uh, see her, you know, on this on this planet. Uh, she is uh, seems to be very strung out again. Of course, we we um, we we know that Rafi has has had her issues in, in the past with her son, and and also she had had issues in the past with um, and so we whenever we we see her, uh, you know, she's with you know she's encountering the Orion. And trying to buy information from him about uh, the Red Lady, and we we're also, uh, but she's also trying to get her latest fix. So uh, when we, when we get all those those components, it's like when I first saw when I first started watching the episode, I was like, "Oh God, Rafi has has fallen off the off the wagon." And I and I have to freely admit, uh, I, I was able I want to recognize that from from just her reactions, but also. Uh, something Michael Dorn had noted with his interaction scenes with uh, Michelle Hurd, uh, how much he enjoyed playing off of her uh, in in this season when he was on the uh, Shuttle Pod co- podcast with uh, Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating. Go check that podcast out if you if you haven't had an opportunity to do so. Um, but uh, we we learn. But as we further get into into the story, we actually learned that Rafi now. Is is with Starfleet intelligence, and she has a has a contact that she's been trying to to reference, uh, because there apparently there is a a very devastating weapon that um, that could that she is trying to learn as much about as possible, and um, and, and so she's on Metalis Prime trying to get that information, and one of the interesting things whenever she was reaching out to her contact, there there were two two points. One, trying to figure out who the Red Lady was. And the Red Lady, uh, we end up learning through her discernment that the Red Lady is not a, a, a person or a place, or but it's actually a thing. And the thing that we learned is it's a statue of Captain Rachel Garrett, who is was the captain of the Enterprise C. She's the Red Lady in the that was being referenced in the uh, intelligence briefing that Rafi was was trying to get to District Seven. So that was a, a very um, again, this show is really pulling the old generations, but also the next generations. When we are seeing, you know, Captain Shaw, uh, the data, uh, the Forge's daughter. And and I'm sure we'll see other, you know, the, the, the new space dock, uh, new Starfleet, everything like that. So it really is blending all the old and the new together in in this in this in this episode and and this season. So it really made this 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 definitely does have the vibes of like say the undiscovered country, which was the the end of the run of the original Enterprise crew, but uh, but also uh, I think. Metallus is also noting that he's trying to write 
by the next generation crew by giving them a proper send off. And so these 10 episodes looks like there's, that's going to be the case, but whenever, one of the things that we also, that I, that I'm thinking, and, and I'd love to hear your comments on this is, do you think Worf is the roughly because there are many things during that, her interactions with the, her, her contact where, because she was trying to ask the person I want to do a face to face. They're like, no, but there were various things that seemed very wharf esque when the responses came back, especially the one at the end where you are a warrior. And that to me just was like a signal that uh, possibly Worf's doing something now with Starfleet intelligence and, and, um, and is working with Rafi from his perspective to, to figure out what's going on with this dreadful weapon that uh, is our, maybe one of our MacGuffins uh, from, for, for this season. So I'd just like, you know, drop a, drop a note in the comments if, uh, if you think that's the case or if you think I'm off and it, it could be somebody else. But uh, with that, uh, we, we, do, we go back to the Titan. And, um, of course, you know, Picard and Riker are, you know, having the various uh, humiliations, that, you know, again, tying all the generations together. We're at Lower Decks and they're in the Lower Decks in the, uh, on a bunk bed. Uh, which again, um, you know, the little funny line about getting older, you know, Riker is like, you know, had, I remember having to get the pee as much. So again, it's just, a, you know, those nice little humanizing nods that, you know, our characters aren't young anymore. But uh, with that, um, Seven comes to to the to their cabin and is trying to figure out what the hell is going on and, and why they need to, uh, why are they really there? And, you know, Picard, she, you know, she asks for, for permission to speak freely. You know, Riker calls her out. It's like, look, you know, he's an admiral. You don't talk to him that way. But she's like, no, I want to talk to this man as my friend. And why are you really here? And then, of course, they do confide in her uh, what uh, what their true purpose on being a Titan is. Um, Seven, of course, uh is very loyal to Picard for, you know, and that loyalty has been earned. And, and I think this was a very earned moment in this episode because the things that we learned about Seven uh, in, in seasons one and two of Picard uh, really come into play here as far as her loyalty for this man, but also how how her life in Starfleet has, uh, you know, she's a little bit disillusioned. And again, it goes back to the dead naming and, and, and other, and, and, and Shaw's personality and command style, why she is at this place now where she's just like, you know, screw it. I would be willing, I'm willing to uh, throw away my career because uh, I, you know, my, I, I feel like I need a, a greater purpose or greater reasons for, 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 you know, continuing to, to be in this service and, and life as a ranger, I could help more people and have more flexibilities um, but now, uh, I, I don't have that. So, uh, but she, you know, in this moment, she decided to take the Titan, uh, to the coordinates, uh, to the sector where Beverly was last found and last heard from. So, uh, we get a nice moment where the, um, crew of the, uh, Titan, uh, you know, Shaw's asleep. He wakes up. There, he, he, you know, and then he, you know, of course, runs to the bridge to find out what's going on. 
But we, uh, we, we, we learned that um, Picard and Riker are on their way to a shuttle. And uh, they take a shuttle uh, over to the Elos, the uh, ship. And uh, as they are you know, going through the ship, they find, they find Beverly uh, in stasis. And uh, because she uh, obviously was wounded uh, from the uh, boarding party uh, earlier in, in the episode. So uh, while and then we, we get a surprise at the very end where Picard, um, Riker, it, it, they're, they're in the room. Uh, we pan to Riker. He has a phaser to the back of his head. Um, and then we, uh, we meet this new character. And we wonder you know, who, who he is. And then we, we learn very interestingly enough that he is Beverly's son. So uh, again, little, you know, little nod to the, you know, ages and stuff, you know, time-wise, timeline-wise, age-wise, he could definitely, uh, you know, he's definitely old enough to be Picard's son. And, and maybe the episode of Next Generation, I'm, I'm blanking on the title now, where Beverly and Picard were stranded on that planet and they did finally admit their feelings to one another because they were neurally linked um, to, to, to one another. Uh, maybe, maybe that was when the, the, they uh, consummated their relationship or, or maybe, uh, you know, he, 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 I guess he looks at about 20 or so years old. So uh, maybe this was the thing that where, um, they, you know, the estrangement occurred over over the fact that you know Beverly went into hiding for twenty years because we learned earlier in the episode she hasn't talked to any of her former colleagues and friends for twenty years. She cut herself off. So I'm very, I can't wait to find out. Um, one is this if this is indeed John Luke's son that he and Beverly had together, or or if it's someone else if she if she had a relationship with someone else and and that was the uh, uh, where uh, uh, the father of, of, of this new of he of him is, but uh, again, lots of lots of places to go. More like you know, I think if they're going to introduce this type of character in the final season, most likely it's probably Picard's son. Especially tying on all these threads and and you know, again, the aptly name of the next generation as, as the title for the show. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, first episode, it was very, very, very good. Strong start to the season. Uh, again, I think uh, we get a you know, there are a lot of Easter eggs. You know, I, I touched on some of them. There's so so many more, and I, and I and I won't uh, I won't hit them all because I mean, like I, I think there were like anywhere from anywhere from 99 to 100 <laughs> Easter eggs or, or more in, in that episode. But uh, uh, but yeah, I. I I think that the season is definitely off to a strong start. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on the the episode, and if you like what you've heard here today, you know, subscribe to us here on YouTube. We're also on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, go to our website at www.seniornerdpodcast.com, and we will be breaking down. All ten episodes of the of the season, either I'll be doing it myself or with my host Sarah Belmont, uh, and uh, 
yeah, like I said, drop us drop us a subscription, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this first episode. I really did. Again, my name is Will Polk. You can find me on Twitter at Will M Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can also find our podcast at Cena Nerd on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram at scene underscore n underscore nerd. We're also on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and we have our website again, www.scenenerdpodcast.com. So Thank you again for listening. Drop a like, drop a comment. Love to hear from you. With that, live long and prosper. Bye.